MC was asking, nice, how was Wild West Hacking Fest? It was awesome. It was the absolute best Wild West Hacking Fest we have ever had. It was really, really solid. I don't know what else to say. I, it was just good all the way around. We'll um, be back next year. We will be back next year. Tickets are already mm-hmm. on sale. For oh, just for the attendees, right? Oh, uh, oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, my bad. Don't get that serious. Spoiler alert! Like we we <laughs> yeah, it felt it like was, we were getting the band back together. It did finally feel that way, didn't it? Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security talking about news or this is the after the after the after party edition of Wild West Hacking Fest, which we'll get into in just a little bit, but it was insane. But as always, this edition of talking about news is brought to you by Black Hills Information Security. By the way, we do have a security operations center. We have open source projects. We have all kinds of crazy stuff. So check us out at Black Hills Information Security. Uh, was also is brought to you by Anti-Siphon InfoSec Training. If you're looking for computer security training, as most of you are, and you're looking for security training that does not require the budget of a small Middle Eastern or Mediterranean company, or sorry, country, country, God, still recovering, <laughs> still recovering, then you need to check out Anti-Siphon Security Training because I, I don't know, I'm lost of words. We good, we cheap. How about that? We'll just throw it in. All right, so today I am joined, as always, by the illustrious cast. Uh, we have Ryan showing up, making us sound and look better than we have any right to whatsoever. We have BSD Bandits joining us uh, from an undisclosed location, but we're going to try to send BSD to Mexico City. I think we need to do that. He's got a concert he wants to see. If somebody could stand up a GoFundMe campaign for him, that would be awesome. It was sponsored by... <laughs> sponsored by bubbly <laughs> sparkling water without the fun everyone um we have wade <laughs> yeah, hey you gotta call it something uh wade is also with us wade we missed you we missed you so much dude i stayed off social media the whole week i was like it, i'm not gonna watch i'm not gonna look at it all I, the only thing i did was watch Corey's talk and that was it wow i feel song. so honored by that <laughs> um we have mike who i missed as well uh, Mike, we're we're gonna get you out next year, hopefully. Yeah, I'm I'm planning on being out there next year. That especially since there won't be any conflicts and dates. There you go, no conflicts and Same. dates. We have three people, four people. That is four people that I didn't miss at all because they were there. Bronwyn is with us, and she's all the way back at home, which is crazy. It's almost like there's these magical tubes that fly you through the air to get you where you need to be. Speaking of magical tubes, went mountain biking with Corey. That was great fun. It we was didn't like need any tubes, so that's good. No, you're on tubes. There's tubes. The bikes, they're <laughs> tubes. They're, they're carbon fiber tubes. At least, you know, some of the bikes are. We have Ian, <laughs> who is a little bit like, I don't know, like a little bit loopy from carbon monoxide poisoning. Because um, I like beans. <laughs> I like now beans. He sounds normal to me. <laughs> he was wearing the bear versus bear costume with no good ventilation whatsoever. Wait, carbon low? Yeah. Oh my god. It's carbon it's dioxide. The chemistry. Carbon monoxide would be if he's like a combustion engine. Which he is. Yeah. Which he is. Yeah. He is a combustion he is, engine. Sir. He is a combustion I run on dead dinosaurs. He nice runs on dead Actually, it's all dead dinosaurs all the way down. And then Noah, speaking of bears. Good to see you, sir. The beard's looking fantastic. You actually did trim yours since you got back. I yeah. have it. I have well, like the really disgusting, like creepy Van Man stuff going on with my beard right now. So yeah, I had yeah. to trim it when I got back. You know, a week of going without trimming it was it was more than enough. By the end of the conference, we were all looking ragged. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my god, it's a bunch of meth addicts <laughs> with computers. What the hell? But it is <laughs> I, I do want to say thank you to all the people that approached me or other individuals and, and thanked them for being on the news. Like, it's so weird to think that people actually watch, but I guess now I have someone to disappoint in my head that I can I can think back to <laughs> the nice, nice people that came up live. to me. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be like, man, that person was so nice at the con. Now I'm going to ruin them with this horrible article, but... They, they haunt you. They haunt you for the rest of your life. But trust me, they just do. All right, speaking of haunting... Uh, the Verge pushed out an article that let us all know that it is, in fact, Cybersecurity Week. 
I don't know. Did they exactly just make this up? To make like, is this real? <laughs> no. I guess it's a thing. Isn't it Seesaw? I remember there used to be the Seesaw CTF at New York State University yeah. that was really awesome. Is this that or is this completely different? Did they just no, it's different. Up? I don't know. It's kind of weird. They're like, you know, the internet is a wild, strange place full of scams. Here's how you can protect yourself. The biggest vulnerability is always the human element. (laughs) I swear to God, this sounds to me like it was written by Kevin Mitnick, but um, they got a bunch of articles down there. The logo is cool. Look at all like the firewall in it, the Bluetooth, the key, the fingerprint. There's probably a broken They hired a good graphic designer. That's what we know. There's a broken finger behind it. (laughs) The best thing about the graphics is the confusion on the people's faces (laughs) by looking at it. They're InfoSec pros. Trust me. These are people that have 20, 30 years of experience been like, what the hell are we even doing here? Why do the characters look like the ABC school after school special? They do. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say the Verge is the ones that have like the really bad PC build guide where they like do everything completely wrong. So let's hope first you get that. your socks and rub them on the carpet. Then you pick up your processor. <laughs> <laughs> so are we just going to say like, you know, I, I'm sure that everything they have here is absolutely fantastic for people that don't know anything about, you know, computer security, but um, I guess that's cool. I, I you know, are we becoming more, uh, are we becoming, are we becoming sellouts? Is this like mainstream now? Like I, I think this sounds. is mainstream. Is the verge that mainstream? Like, does my grandma know about the verge? Probably not. I don't know. Is that your criteria? Is that your bar? Yes. That's my bar. Cause then mainstream is nothing but Matlock and jeopardy. It's, well, that, <laughs> don't forget the wall street journal. She knows about that. Well, Wall Street Journal and dinosaurs reruns from the uh, <laughs> mid, the early nineties. So not the mama, not the mommy, not the um, mama. Yep. Yeah. So we'll move on from this one because there's really not a hell of a lot going on. But um, one of my uh, one of my friends that I haven't seen in a long time, um, Antov Chavakin, um, I think like just came out with just a killer killer article um, on Medium where he's talking about the uh, the cybersecurity. Um, action team threat horizons report. Uh, we were talking about syllables earlier and Google has like way too many of them, but they can afford it. Um, but it's a report that was kicked out and it was kind of his breakdown of what the report said. So instead of like just giving a link to the report and saying, here's the report, it's like the report and then hot takes, but it's, it's Anton. So they're good. They're really good. So one of them, they were talking about how once inside, the attackers uh, frequently engage in crypto mining, which I think is interesting because we haven't had a lot of, we haven't had a lot of stories lately of crypto mining running. Ransomware is very flashy and we have a couple of ransomware stories, but did, did, did crypto mining go out of style? Like even before cryptocurrency completely crapped itself, um, it was still a thing, right? There were still attacks. Is it just we don't see them show up in the news because it's not all that interesting? Yeah, I think got it's gotten it. old news. It's gotten to be old news. It's not as flashy. People just aren't interested. And, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. It isn't bleeding enough. It's not as profitable anymore. I don't, as a blue well, teamer, I, honestly, I haven't heard a lot about So isn't, is this like cloud only? Much. Is this cloud only Ooh, or is this all compromises? Uh, I can go to the full version. I just read his blog. Because if it's cloud, on it. on, like it says cloud compromise factors. I don't know if that's just the graph I'm looking at or if the whole report is based on cloud. If it's cloud, then I can see why cryptocurrency mining is a thing because you can spin yep. up like it actually hardware like that, that can if, like in the in the cloud, you can get some really some real crypto mining done. You are um, correct. Well, cloud application security reviews and data discovery. Yeah, so that's on so page. So I'm going to go with report. this is a thing in the cloud <laughs> world, not so much out. a thing in the traditional enterprise world. But that's just my hot take on a, another it's person's not hot as take. Much, but people don't like to talk about it when you get hit with like crypto miners of the enterprise. Um, it's kind of like are you saying uh, that are you saying that crypto miners are like the STD? Yeah, no, it's it's literally yes. like the STD of malware, and we don't want to talk about it. Like it's when, internet like, herpes. Yep. Well, at least the crypto miners you can get rid of. <laughs> Well, but I, I think it'll be a comeback. Um, I think right now it's just kind of quiet. Because remember, remember for the longest time, mobile went quiet, right? Yeah. And then it had a comeback. I think it's kind of similar with like crypto. Right now it's quiet. It pooped itself. It's probably cleaning itself off. And 
I, I'm going to say I'm, I'm looking to see something happen in the crypto world shortly. So it's looking it's looking for mouthwash, basically, is what Pretty you're much, saying. Yeah. It's yeah. like it was I, a hell of a party. It's, it's I think done. some of it is that the other stuff, such as ransomware and your other breaches that have been going on right now, are so much more prevalent where you're le- you've got people losing or getting their identities stolen off of them. And crypto money is just, oh, they're using my machine to go ahead and do something. Okay, that's fine. They're not yeah. taking any of my information from me. You made my yep. computer slow. Yeah. Boo-hoo. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. That can add up in the cloud. That cost can add up. In the up. cloud, I could yes. say. Yes. Oh, and yeah. a lot of times it's going to be forgiven, but I've heard that cloud providers are starting to push back. Like if you didn't exercise due diligence, they're not going to give you the money back. Um, my hot take is I don't think it's going to really come back. I think that just the way that cryptocurrency proof of work algorithms are less and less uh, every month. Um, and even the ones that are still proof of work are heavily ASIC based. So, I mean, people mm-hmm. will still do it. It's dumb, but people will still do it. That's But um, hopefully we get more creative. It's just like 65% of attackers are really boring. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of uh, speaking of really boring, number one, and number two, you had mentioned due diligence and the practicing of due diligence. 57.4% of the attack compromise uh, factors were, were weak or no credentials, which I, I knew it would be, I knew it would be high. I didn't think it would be over 50%, but holy crap, <laughs> that's, that's huge. Now, do you think they put default credentials in that and that would that yeah. be considered weak? It would have to be, right? Also, probably a ton of unauthed, right? Like, oh, I spun up Elastic. Whoops, forgot to add authentication. And now it's open to everyone. Well, the breakdown, I love the breakdown. It's like UI exposure was 3.7. Remote code execution was only 1.9. But then they had misconfiguration at 13, other at 7.4, whatever that is. But then they had this other category of just like software issue, like 16.7. It's like (laughs) code was involved uh, in 16. It's like a business logic thing. I don't know. Computer used electrons. Okay. That requires strong passwords. Right. How many of them had? How many of them had can base code? Like pretty much the same source code from yeah. copying and placing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even what? Even kind of what? Uh, what um, Corey was talking about. Um, whenever you're actually standing up, a lot of these instances, it just comes with like default credentials <laughs> or default configurations, which is about the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah, which is what which is what they were saying in one of the bullet. Tom was saying in one of the bullet points that it's all about SSH, a high level of SSH activity involved with it, yep. using no credentials or defaults, and that's uh, scary in its own right. I love his I love his quote. He said um, that that it's not Q two of nineteen ninety eight; it's of two thousand twenty two. To me, smells like the eighties, not even the nineties, which he was around back then. So. It's just showing like, is it, are we actually getting better in this industry? I seriously wonder sometimes. The good news is I automated the build script. The bad news is security was not integrated in version 0.1. And we're just going to go through with that for production. Right. Sound good? Okay, here we go. Sounds I, good. I automated the build script, uh, but forgot the four other nodes in the load balancer. So uh, it's fine. Oopsies. It's fine. Those other, you have to know the URL. How is someone going to guess you know that? You know what? My bad. My bad. My bad. Uh, um, URL complexity is a uh, security. I've heard that argument plenty. Of yeah. Times. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I just if I just base sixty four encode it and I put it in the URL, we'll be safe, right? Uh, yeah. Dude. There's no such yeah. thing as a proxy. Nobody's going to see you. No one. No yeah, one. Browser no one. history. Ba- we don't go after that. That's why you should always know base 64. So when you're reading URLs and you see one and you're like, Ooh, what is this? And then, you know, you may just get a bug bounty real quick or something. I don't know about this, fun. but you know, I, I, I tried to teach my kids to read base 64, but I, I had child protective <laughs> services called on me. That's like the internet version of prepping. Like, all right, kids, yeah. any day that the, the rapture is going to come. That's, that, that's the <laughs> internet version of that. You know, you've gone too damn far when the web 3.0 people are like, you might want to slow down there, Bucko. You might want to slow down. <laughs> was it before or after you taught them to read hex? <laughs> well, well, well after. Um, it's twice as fast as reading binary, as um, Judy Novak would say. Um, the other, the other one that I thought was interesting. There's so much good stuff. He said the trolls fail to identify the malware assets' nefarious nature as they check the assets' context and external characteristics instead of exploiting their content in more depth. And 10% of well-known popular websites are seen to be distributing malware. 
malware legitimacy is inherited from credible hosts. Right. Now, do you honestly think that 10% of well-known popular websites are hosting malware? Or do you think that it's actually being distributed through the ads that they host? Ads. Uh, I would oh, go well, with I was, well, I was just going to say that the 10% number is ridiculous. It's, it's much be higher way higher. That, <laughs> yeah. For the reason that you it's said. Be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would guess this is just staging malware on sites that allow arbitrary file hosting. Uh, that, that would be my guess. Like, I typically stage malware on S3 personally, um, but yeah, you can stage it in Google Drive. You can stage it in, you know, a hundred mm-hmm. other well-known good websites. All right, all right. I got a conspiracy theory, right? Google's getting, oh, rid, of yes. yeah, Google's yeah. getting rid of ad blocker. Ads, 10% of these ads have mal- malware in them. Google just bought mm-hmm. Mandiant. <gasps> the only thing Google's they're, missing they're, is, they're perpetuating a, is a credit. It. The only thing Google's <laughs> missing in your conspiracy theory is a credit monitoring service. <laughs> if they had that, then they would have all the rings. Uh, I, I now pretend to you the G card coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, have, I just yeah. put in just block S3, then you block hackers. Exactly why it works. Because if you block S3, that's half the internet, roughly. You're not wrong, Noah. You're not yeah. wrong. Well, right. my, question is, uh, my question about this report overall is this looking at it and looking at the report it seems to be based on google cloud itself how many how large of a base do they have in google cloud to extrapolate to amazon and azure comparatively speaking they have i think oh, it's sh- like 20 or 30 percent market cap it's pretty it's pretty high but they're not yeah, yeah they're it's just, it's very segmented there are different yeah Although if you look at like the kind of customers that use Google Cloud, like there's actually very specific types of customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you see a lot of education in Google Cloud. Yes, government, education. Those are the most common. We're actually talking. They they were a vendor at uh, Wild West Hacking Fest. And I talked to the uh, I talked to the people and they said that they were looking for government and small business or, you know, I was like, really, you're Google. You're going after government. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Well, and, and I'm wondering if they're getting better at compliance. Because um, if you're going after that market, you've got to understand at least Better, some rudimentary yeah. compliance frameworks to be successful. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it works out for I them. Mean, but one John, of the reasons why we got off is their compliance, logging, auditing, and analysis was an absolute train wreck. So yeah, I mean, if, to your yeah, point about if compliance if on their table, they had a little sign about if you're in government and you take the stack of Pokemon cards, you verified that ethically you can. Yes. So, no, they did. They, they, Yes, they had the export compliance yeah. thing. It was like if you take any gifts, you you agree to that this is just a gift, and the and it's like the total cash value of all of our merch is eight dollars. Yep. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow. I was gonna like, say, I'm just gonna say compliant. They're probably doing it wrong. There's probably some attorney that was like, "Honey, today he wouldn't believe what I came up with. We're making our vendors host these little stupid signs." Crazy. Can we can we get something like that? Can we just randomly apply monetary values to no, things that have okay, no so concept? Like Pokemon. I've got, a, uh, I've got a contract that CJ wants to talk to me about. Um, it says you. It, it basically says that you explicitly accept the terms of this condition, and if you're interacting with us as a company, it proves that you implicitly agree <laughs> to the terms. Uh, agree to the terms of this contract as well, and we're like. So if we just ignore them, then technically we implicitly agree with them. <laughs> it was it was an amazing hot take, um, which Silence, I would love. I would love to get consent. sued. I would love to get sued and take that in front of a judge and just have the judge be like, what the hell's well, wrong so with you? There is a precedent for this because apparently if you're the president, you can just think about declassifying documents. <laughs> oh, and- no, 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 no. Here we go. We're getting into politics. <laughs> Which is hilarious. By, by thinking think about by, by Johnny think- Cash, and now yeah. it's declassified. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving on before we go too crazy. Um, the big one that I thought was the most interesting for me out of this, and and this is something that I've been harping on for a while. Um, a, a nation state ex- thre- uh, threat actor, Kim Kimsky, uh, has been observed by researchers at Volexity accessing user Gmail account data through hidden. Chrome browser extension known as Sharp EXT. It was able to install malicious browser extension via phishing, leveraging pre-authenticated browser activity to read exfiltrate data from the service such as Gmail content and installation of developer mode browser extension, which through DevTools workaround has its security warnings suppressed 
and the targets user cloud access data access, which is just wow. That is really cool. Yes. And we need to be doing more research into the browser and browser extensions and specifically malicious browser extensions. We we definitely, yeah, don't tell Joff about this because he's going to feel like someone scooped him. Already have. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) Isaac Isaac was actually working on um, Cursed Chrome for Mm us, um, which was a malicious browser extension, which could do all kinds of crazy evil stuff too. Well, um, but that's that's the new frontier for malware because trying to get it executing on a workstation, it's like you go through all this trouble. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine where you do all this stuff, and then you're literally trying to access data that's accessible in a browser, where the browser is just straight mainline right into what people access every day. Yep. Well, and like turning on Dev Tools is not a simple matter. Like it doesn't. It, you have to actually like do some really strange like gyrations to do that. Um, because there what? is no like, sorry, command line CLI turn on dev tools option. So like when yeah. we were doing that, I, I built like the basic loader and basically just used send keys um, and built this like weird send keys script that does a bunch of like tabs and stuff. But anyhow, not spaces. No, no spaces. <laughs> sorry. What right. if but I yeah, told you? Just- yeah, I think this is we when we talked about doing it for like ops, we talked about like relaunching or side loading causing their browser to crash and relaunching yep. it with malicious args. So I don't know how the threat actors are doing it. It's kind of scary though. Well, everything that I just read there, especially the stuff about turning on developer tools without pop and then suppressing all warnings to the user. That's, that's some, that's hot. Like if you're the threat actor that did this props, Kim well Suki, well you want a job at BHIS? <laughs> Give us an email. Yeah, we don't ever want to be like, we're hiring, um, but <laughs> God, that's, yeah, I'm sorry if you weren't evil. <laughs> you have to that. promise by, by agreeing to this email, you implicitly uh, promise not to be evil. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Scouts honor, scouts honor. No more, no more. Um, I never made that's it. A good, yeah. And, and, and these reports, I think, are getting better and better as time goes on. And it just keeps highlighting more and more like the, <laughs> the attackers are just doing basic crap. They're spear phishing for access. They're attacking credentials. There was one that they mentioned where they brute force the user ID and password. And then they enroll their, the attackers enroll their own device and multi-factor as well. So yeah, right there. There it is. They brute force the instance password, then enrolled their own device in the NGO's multi-factor authentication process, which... Sounds to me like it wasn't set up correctly in the first place, but but still, I mean, that's just this is motherhood and apple pie in the cloud age, right? <laughs> Good detection opportunity I, right there. It is. It is. It, to memorize everyone's it, phone numbers. <laughs> it's not that hard. I got them. <laughs> you got them. Yeah. Apparently, that's, Kim Suki's other malware is called Baby Shark. So I guess. Oh no! no they, I already. No. Like, I already like this group. Not baby shark. Everyone's got baby shark in their head now. Unless <laughs> oh they... my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't me. I just said I was just reading indicators of compromise. Okay. I know it's just the IOCs. So Kimsuki, once again, massive respect. Uh, <laughs> you're highly memeable. Uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> Speaking of drugs, uh, so caffeine service. <laughs> Let's anyone launch Microsoft 365 phishing attacks. It's it seems I, I I'm I'm kind of beginning to see a cycle here uh, with these uh, with these. This is I think since we started doing talk about news, this is like the third or fourth iteration of a spear phishing service that's just so easy for the attackers to launch attacks. You know, using that you know <laughs> using this the attack as a platform or as a service in the cloud. I don't know. When does this not become interesting anymore? I don't know. Is this interesting or is this not? Is this something we should even talk about anymore? I think it's expected, right? Like we're like yeah. you said, we've seen it so many times now. I'm not really uh, phased by it. And I, yeah, honestly, right. like, okay, so now they can just do it faster and more efficiently. Great. Okay. What else is new? Well, look at the pricing there. It, Basics two fifty. Yeah, you get a PHP and a Python version. Um, <laughs> the the website looks nicer than the actual Office three sixty five. It does. Well, it's probably more useful too. Wait, yeah, wait till you see the fishing. Hold it, hold page. it right there. Go back up. Go oh. back up. And look at the stay on their pricing. It's got auto update, inbox letter for Office, unlimited support, fifty dollars for renewal plan, uh, professionals three month. You get all of those options, 
Plus you get office email checker, which I'm assuming is going to check to make sure that it can bypass the controls. And then, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, this is like so far two lines of code plus the website. Yeah. So (laughs) so now the enterprise version gets, I don't understand what one free SMTP with random limit means, but you get unlimited VIP support, which is like the champagne room of malware. So it's just bringing the entry level down of like cyber hackers, yeah. right? Like anyone can do it yeah. now. If you really yeah. read a couple blog posts, I think what they actually mean is semantics VIP token. You know, you want MFA on your enterprise. Now <laughs> I'm just Maybe really hung up on this, this random limit. Like I love this. Like I'm going to start selling things with random limits. Like there's, a, there's, <laughs> it's, there's it's, only, it's like Pavlov's dog. You got to randomize the, the yeah. positive reinforcement. Otherwise it doesn't work. coming soon to the sock. SLA is now a random SLA. The thing- yeah, but you know what? Our customers agree yeah. to it either explicitly or implicitly simply by interacting <laughs> with us. So, <laughs> the yeah. random Two limit. Yeah. The, the limit. Three. Three lines of code. Look, so. Three lines of code plus the website victims sold separately. But, uh, the thing <laughs> is they're offering support for those three lines of code. Yeah, I well, would you say don't understand them. Just better than most commercial companies, I suppose. Don't so. pay for this. First of all, it's definitely a scam. Even if you got what you wanted, it's still a scam because the- No, no, no. Go back to it though, Ryan. Open it up main screen. You talk about it being a scam. However, it says, choose a plan that suits you the best. We will refund your expired time if the sender is not working or if it's sent to junk. So it's Mm. just free. It's completely free because there's no way it's not going to be. (laughs) I will say the only way this would be worth it or interesting is if like somehow they utilize like BECs to like send these. Like if it's like you're sending these emails through like another compromised entity, that would be interesting. But I feel like that'd be way more expensive. It would be. But that would be that would be pretty badass. Actually. Yeah, it can't be that hard. Those uh, initial access brokers, it's like five bucks for an account. So how can I, I tie initial access customers, brokers into that? I wonder if we should give our SOC customers a discount if we can relay our spear phishing attacks against other customers <laughs> to their networks. Is that evil? <laughs> Only if there's a random limit. It seems. Oh bad. my god! I just, I just really am waiting for them to like get the call from someone else and be like, "Yeah, so we think that your email's been compromised. You should probably get that checked out." They're like, "Oh no, we let a pen hunting <laughs> firm use our email." Like it's, just it's totally us like fine. A cult. It's, no, we're not compromised. <laughs> but can we intro- Can we? Uh, can we interest you in a conversation about Black Hills Information Security <laughs> Services? One of us. One of us. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we. Long. I mean, so the goal all along was to build a botnet. Yeah, that all was along. Goal? That was the entire okay. goal. Because <laughs> it was getting like expensive using IP gateways and <laughs> Lambda in oh, Amazon yeah. and whatever the hell it is Google has, which I don't know. Uh, well, the, the next one, we got to play with um, uh, AirTags. Uh, we, we have some stuff that we've done as part of some physical assessments mm-hmm. lately where you can buy a puck and it's basically a Bluetooth multi-device and then you can drop code on it. That allows it to access and be part of the AirTag network and to do it transparently, uh, which is really, really cool. So in some of our classes, we'll be using that. And then also in our physical security engagements, we'll be using that as well. Now, there's two things that are interesting about this case from Daring Fireball. The first one basically reads that Lufthansa has completely banned AirTags. And the reason why is because um, they're in the category of portable electronic devices and are therefore subject to the dangerous goods regulations issued by International Civil Aviation Organization for Transport and Aircraft. Accordingly, due to their transmission function, the trackers must be deactivated during flight, similar to mobile devices uh, like laptops, phones, tablets, if they are in checked bags. So I don't know. Like They actually walked this like, back, I think. I they think did they a little did, bit. Yeah. They, but it they also got in had trouble. to do with the translation. Yeah. But there was also some issues with the initial translation of the website as well. Um, the initial translation came it came across a lot stronger than what it actually was. But yeah, they did walk it back. I don't know. Is this so? My thing is, there, you get these devices and they can record all kinds of things. I remember years ago at DerbyCon, uh, the second to last one. Um, who was it from Ingardians? I know Larry did it, but I can't remember who else did. Larry Pesci from Ingardians or Hacks or the Matrix. They basically shipped luggage 
through the airlines and they went through FedEx and they went through UPS and they put all kinds of equipment like gauging the temperature, the barometric pressure. And then mm-hmm. if it was actually jostled or there was a large impact on it. And that was really interesting. Basically, your your luggage and packages are treated like absolute complete garbage. Yeah, the reason the reason this even became a thing is because so many people were using it to like be like, listen, Lufthansa, it's right here. This is where my yes, luggage is. Yeah, like you can claim it's lost, but I see it like two miles that way in the airport cargo bay. So go <laughs> the, get it. Yeah. Like there was yeah. a big Twitter feed, right, where some guy got like his package was like in another just another airport and they said they lost it right so then he tweeted at them the actual locations like here's where it is pick it up send it to me right now a lot someone has lost their luggage i wish i could have done that i think i think it's one of those things like how are you going to stop it are you going to like are you going to have like in every bag dick dug through and inspected because there's so many ways you can hide air tags but I don't think they bother stopping any electronic devices being on right now. No, right? They're not exactly. going through. But I agree with what Wade said. This gives them an out. So if somebody's like, I can track it, it's right there. Well, you've just violated our policies and that's going to be a thousand dollar fine. Yes, for you to exactly. That. That, that's yeah. the kind of corporate evil that I can see actually being done yeah. um, on this one as well. Insider Life TV says, can you guys talk about Botnet? Botnet is a whole bunch of computers that have been taken over by a malicious attacker. There you go. We talked about it. Yeah. The only other thing that'd be better is if you could like, you know, have a free weather service for when airplane or like when flights want to cancel due to weather and you're like, what weather? I I think I lost like like as a service, like have it so you could like pull it up and be like, there is no weather and then be like, oh, well, you can't you can't because if they cancel due to weather, they don't have to refund you your ticket More airplane corporate greed. Never mind. (laughs) I'm so confused. I've never I, I never I've never heard of any of that, but okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm missing it. I'm missing it, but I'm missing a lot of things. Um, let's move on and let's talk about the international crackdown down in Florida. This one is really, really interesting. It was actually a joint exercise between Interpol, local police, um, and I can't remember who the other group that was around it as well. I see a shirt for Hawks is there as well. What's interesting about Interpol is Interpol really can't, I mean, when you see them in the movies, like Interpol's running around like Venice and they're, you know, chasing cars and they're shooting and all that stuff. But it really depends on what the memo of understanding is with Interpol versus local law enforcement. And usually Interpol is supporting local law enforcement. It's kind of this weird quasi law enforcement entity, but they went through and they got 70 arrests, um, basically really kind of, I don't want to say they shut it down, but impacting black axes. Uh, which is a cyber crime group. This is interesting because we usually don't see law enforcement infiltrating African groups all that much, uh, specifically in West Africa. I I wish that there was more to the story, like talking about what were the politics and actually making this happen. Um, because this is something in security we've joked about forever. A lot of times the attackers that you're worried about are in countries that don't have extradition treaties. And don't have memos of understanding with other law enforcement agencies to actually see this happen in West Africa is really, I think, a step in the right direction. I just don't know what the framework was legally for it to actually happen. I'm going to go with it was funded by Nigerian princes who just want their emails <laughs> to land in people's inboxes. They're, they're tired. They're, they're tired. Like, We're of being, so sick. These scammers are making us look bad. We just want to get- look bad. Exactly. So, one of their princes got their money and put this money towards getting these hackers. Get so the amount of assets seized are wild. <laughs> the, the craziest one, I mean, obviously a lot of money, a lot of bank accounts, but the crazy one that sticks out to me is 12,000 SIM cards. 12,000 SIM cards? Oh, like that is a lot of phone numbers. So it was uh, in South Africa, but it was against specifically, if you look at the title, West African financial crime rings. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's uh, sent canary tokens to these guys. Like whenever they email yes. you, I, I always email them back with a canary token just for fun. 90% of the time. they open it almost every time. Oh, every time. One time they mm-hmm. they emailed me back and said they couldn't open it. And I'm like, that's weird. And so I, I, what you also do is if you password protect them, then they can't read them in the email box. They have they to have download to the download them unzip and them, them and the password protect. Yeah. So you're, you're using your own tactic, their own tactics against them. And when it, when the canary goes off and it's in Africa somewhere, you just get a chuckle and like, oh, I did it. I, I, you I send them a screenshot of their address. Yeah, this yeah. You, 
Uh, yeah, it's great. It's so much fun. And you also usually get like some secondary IOCs from them. Like I've sent me back other stuff or more malware, which is pretty fun. So too. one of my friends who will go nameless, he was looking for a bridge home. He had sold his house and needed a house for two months um, until they could move in and um, put out an ad and he got a response. And the person was like, yeah, here's, here's a house. It's for sale. It's in your area, but it's, it's empty. You can use it. And he almost fell for it. And literally they were just going through and finding houses that were for sale and offering people to rent them in turn, but they needed like hundred percent of the rent up front or something like that. And he was able to figure out that it was actually um, an African crime ring. So what he did instead of just doing a canary token is he sent an entire malicious payload to them <laughs> and literally took over their entire network and then wiped all of their machines. That is not something I recommend, but you got to admit it's hilarious. Uh, but don't do that. That would be bad. Don't, that don't just makes so me hard to for that, that those past past stories were heard about. We heard about uh, with the fishing ring last time with violence as a service being used, Oof. right? So mm. that's why you don't do that stuff. Just yeah. maybe a canary token. Don't go too far. Let the cops handle I, it. I still feel pretty safe in South Dakota. I think that a lot of these violence as a service <laughs> people would just be like, "We got this gig." Oh. If you can't, yeah, if you can't get Uber, I don't think violence as a service is much of a concern. <laughs> I mean, I have to rent a car. <laughs> it is good. I think it's a, it's a good step, especially like financial crimes are one of those things where it's like, how is this still working? How are we just like, hey, I'm Microsoft. Send me like $500 in Amazon gift cards or whatever. Like, this is a good step for international crime uh, task forces or Interpol or whatever you want to call it um, to be mm -hmm. able to nab in, in the course of a week to nab people from however many countries it was, like 10. Or, that's awesome. So they must have really good Discord channels they or must. whatever they're using to share intelligence. I'm sure it's very OPSEC safe and totally not Microsoft. So next story that I think is kind of scary, Tata Power, like Tata Power in India was compromised. Very, very little on this story. They just, they believe that it was um, um, APT or TAG Group 38. I, this always frightens me whenever we start seeing, okay, so the reason why this scares me is almost always these attacks on power grid infrastructure are usually, especially in countries like India and Ukraine before the war, they're usually dry runs uh, for something else. And anytime this happens, I'm like, and if it didn't blow up, it's like, what was this a dry run for? This, this, this spooks me. And once again, I think the scariest hacks are the ones with the shortest press release. And there's really just not much on this one. Recorded Future um, said that they saw some of the data associated with the attack. But as far as the official filing from the organization itself, um, even if you try to go to it now, it's actually in the filing, it's actually access denied. You can't, you can't download the PDF right now, which I thought was weird. Might just be a web kerfluffle on that. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely right that it's pre like pre-flight checks because that's even what the company themselves said is like they were just trying to gather information targeting these actual substations where power is controlled. So I would agree with the spook factor on this one. This is like a little bit, I guess it's almost Halloween. So this is a little bit spooky. But, um, has has uh, <laughs> anyone read Nicole Perloss? This is how this is how they tell me the world ends. The cyber weapons. No, dangerous. no, no, no. It was the rundown. Highly recommend it. So uh, Nicole's like, I believe she was a Times writer in, for the cyber. And she she also interviewed Jake. Uh, so he has like mentions in there. And she goes through all the big cyber crime the past 20, 20 odd years. And uh, she talks about the US power grid and how uh, I forget which nuclear power plant got hacked. But goes into the explaining how Ukraine was just a test ground for us. That Russia uses them and then comes after us and embeds themselves for long-term infection to one day maybe flip the switch on the U.S. She doesn't. She doesn't put it in so dark of terms. And it's definitely mm -hmm. a very good book for anyone to read. Either if you're very uh, experienced in cyber, and especially if you're not, it's written for no experience, um, but highly suggested. Yeah, yeah, they talked about the very similar stuff in the Sandworm book where they. The funny thing was in Ukraine or they targeted them like they already were used to the power just going out all the time. So they had like a million trucks to go manually override everything just like ready. Whereas here we're not used to that. So we don't have that kind of like manual override it baked into our like, uh, you know, operational 
standards no, that, or whatever. So, but I wonder like with, with the Ukrainian war, how much, so everything that's been going on, I remember whenever this first happened, we were talking about on the news, we were like, holy crap, cyber attacks are coming against the US. Do we think that Russia is holding, but like, are they holding back right now? Are they still so focused on the objectives at hand, like trying to like limit and censor speech inside of Russia that they don't have time to deal with us? Or do they look at that as an escalation that they don't, that a line that they don't want to cross? Uh, kind of like the same thing as like the nuclear type line. They it's don't want to cross those lines. Like, def- what is definitely it? Definitely escalation, it, right? dead quiet right now whenever we're looking at it. So go ahead, Wade. I think it's definitely escalation. So this is geopolitics 101, right? And I know you have a political background, as do I. And you have to just think every country wants to, every country is in this environment where they have to defend for themselves, right? And if you make one small move, it may be the end of you, right? They're, mm-hmm. If they if the Russia makes that move against us, it's going to be game over for someone or somehow it's not. And also it's going to throw the world into complete chaos. Not just them. If uh, you got to think about the whole escalating factor, so what you're saying, go but, to but let's it. be yeah. honest, their, their game is chaos, right? That's what their, they are doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do you think it's an issue of just like, yeah, poli sci majors rise up. Do you think it's an issue <laughs> of they want to have just the right amount of chaos and they don't want to escalate beyond because it actually blows back against them. Because once again, I'm looking at Ukraine and that seems like that's pretty damn chaotic. And it really, they don't have a lot of options. And it seems to me like if I was a crazy Russian dictator, cyber would be a really great option it's, at this point. Yeah, but I would if agree. If they were to perform that though, then all of their allies are also, the some they have like China, right? China doesn't want that. China... Mm-mm. Be an enemy or not is tied to us economically. If we go so, down, China, China goes down. China wants those networks up and running because they're hey. siphoning all the data. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> my take on this is like a for, vacuum. <laughs> yeah, my, my take on this is first of all, there has. I don't. I think cyber is basically free reign. I don't think anyone's going to respond. Like the U.S. is not going to nuke Russia because they took down our power grid. It's just not going to happen. Um, it didn't happen in Ukraine. You know, they took them actually sending tanks in to cause kinetic situation. Um, but I also, agree with you, but do you think they wouldn't have done that if the Ukraine still had nukes? I think they would have the done Ukraine, it regardless. The, the Ukraine I, used to be the third largest nuclear weapons holder in the world. And, they gave and up, then they, and gave they gave them up, up to the, Russia and the U.S. under the condition Russia would never invade them. And so I mean, Russia has nukes, well. and we're hacking them constantly. So I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. But uh, but there's a uh, line. I hope to God right now the NSA is completely up in there. Like, I'm sure the they are. That, so toms, like. my my theory is that Putin or whatever command is just like, give me something. We can't drive tanks. We can't keep the internet on. Like, give us something. And this is the hackers in Russia being like, here's we got something. We can do that. We can do something useful. Also, just. They're just, they're hackers. They just ignore whatever's happening and hack. They're not like, no, you know what I mean? They're just like living in their own little world. Like, oh, I can compromise a power grid. I would say too. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say like the the other aspect of this is that um, if you look at how we we do politics sometimes, especially when it comes to cyber type stuff, um, we often like large moves in cyber are usually associated with like direct impacts to certain centeners. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, congressmen and stuff like that you know so if, if if a congressman loses power that's drastically different than something else you know like that's, that's going to start pushing like oh we need to start doing things about this we should be like enforcing cyber policy and i think they know that as well and, and i think you know the one thing that would lead me to agree with wade is once you've done that once you have done that thing it's used you like that is box. not you know, once you once you start shutting down power grid, once you start shutting down pipelines, once you start doing that, it's yeah. not something. It's not something you do unless you're making a big move, right? It's a like, shock and awe type move. Yeah, it's it Stuxnet is. all over again, right? Stuxnet opened the box at the very beginning and actually caused physical harm. To, well, not physical harm to people, but <laughs> actually mechanical harm, right? I'm caused sure maybe some Edmund and Bashir, right? absolutely. And yep. I think that's that was the thing that opened the world's eyes. Like, oh, all right, stuff's about to go crazy. So we haven't had anything at that level yet. See, but I disagree. But, I disagree. I, I disagree okay. because um, uh, 03026, um, which is RPC DCOM, uh, that one actually brought down the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, brought down the entire eastern seaboard 
And I, I like to bring that up because people are like, Stuxnet, this let us know. No, no, no. no we had warnings. We had warnings a long damn time ago. And one of my yeah. favorite quotes from Ed Scotus was like, and after 2003, the United States got everything together and solved the power grid security issue. <laughs> um, totally didn't happen, right? You know, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely terrifying. And kind of bringing in Rob M. Lee on this and Dragos, you know, his take on it, and I agree with him because he's everywhere, right? His belief is the United States power grid is in a much better place than it was five years ago. He might even say that it's in a good place right now. Uh, not completely across the entire power grid, but most of it is pretty solid. He said that anytime you go overseas, it's an absolute train wreck. So I don't know. I, I just, I don't like the idea to think that the Russians are running around inside of our power grid. And I know that they have been in the past because I've worked on gigs like that. But God, there's got to be some progress that's been made over the past five years, right? I, I think about it as another political outlet, right? So one of the things with Stuxnet, right, is... The is Israel was rumored to go where well, they were going to go bomb. Just it, say right? they were. Because okay, we all they know were, they were. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's not do rumor anymore. It was, it was right. Israel, Israel was going to. So the US and Bush had to figure something out. How do we stop World War III? And how do we stop any of this happening? What do we do? We just hack them and slow them down for a little and bit. And it worked. So then, the, yeah, and it worked. It, it worked. worked. And yeah. the Israelis were satisfied, right? The U.S. was satisfied. Iran didn't get bombed, at least, and start war. I think the same thing is with these power grids. It's going to become just kind of a political card that you can play. And it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely going to be like, oh, look what we can do. And then they're gonna, it's going to turn something off, if that makes sense. It's like, if we can't nuke them, we can turn off their power. I would much, much rather, rather have my, I would, right? right? <laughs> I would so much rather have, and I know people will be like, well, cyber attacks, shutting those people, so much better than nukes. My nightmare, personal nightmare, is that somebody gets the idea that you start off with a cyber attack, you go after and infrastructure you go after communications and then you land with conventional troops and other conventional warfares or you drop very specific nuclear devices that have a limited um uh destructive capability tactical, in order to take tactical. a very specific mm-hmm. thank you tact- that's the word i was looking for so the thing that we haven't seen yet and that frightens me and when i first got into cybersecurity, this was one of my the nightmares was that, okay, great. Now I know about this additional threat in addition to the other threats that are existing out there. How long is it going to take before precedent is established where these multi-layered attacks... It's it's already happened, right? Like, uh, yep. Israel Ukraine. did that. Well, no, even before that, Israel did that. Israel hacked uh, Iranian radar and then came in with some bombers and bombed them but, without ever but being I think, detected, I, right? Wait, but, but, it, it, but let's separate some things out, right? Okay, okay, okay. Um, if you go back to like the Gulf War, one and two, and I've mentioned, mentioned it on this show, and I'm old, uh, the <laughs> communications infrastructure in Iraq stayed up because we were in there. It was an intelligence source, so we didn't want to bring that down, right? We could, we didn't. We want to keep it going because we're in we're inside the network and we can actually track where people are. Um, and it, you know, cyber being used as part of the kinetic uh, like options that are available for you know like actual hot wars has been around for a long time, right? Like you said, is- Israel did it. We've done it multiple times. Russia actually did it um, in Ukraine as well. Um, more psyops perspective, uh, but I think that that's fundamentally different than kind of what Bronwyn's talking about. Bronwyn's talking about a more large scale implementation. Not necessarily just tactical, but it being part of a much larger scale attack. Um, and exactly. Bronwyn, putting words in your okay. mouth, I, I want to make sure I'm not. But an example of that would be shutting down the power grid, not in June and July, but shutting down the U.S. power grid in such a way that it's not recoverable, a Stuxnet style attack where really expensive machinery is wiped out and you bring down the eastern seaboard for a week. That's going to be something that's going to cause people to die. So it's not like it's being used in a little ways. It's like, how can we have it seen being used in a much higher scale? Is that right, Bronwyn? I want to make sure I, I paraphrase that correctly. Yeah, you're you're definitely on on there's you did a little bit of a of a segue, but your points are good too. I'm thinking in terms of using it as conditioning, like it has been done before, but again at scale. And if uh mm-hmm. 
some dictator somewhere decided that, okay, it's time to really kill the U.S. We're not just going to talk about it. We're actually going to pull that trigger, then come in with this multi-layered approach. And especially if they if they hit power, if they hit water, if they hit basic infrastructure, and if they take down, if they take down communications. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the question, like I said, this would be used in conjunction with something else, right? Um, this would be used in conjunction. And I, I think, wait, I think that you hit it right on the head when you were basically saying they're not going to pull that string because China doesn't want them to pull that string because China wants to have that string too. Because once that, once that genie's out of the bottle, it's, it, it, we will change our security behaviors. Uh, it's like happens. mad, but inside out. Yes. Mutually assured. Dist- absolutely. I think that's so a good point. So maybe I that's why say, we're not seeing it. I think it would be the potentially worst mistake you could make to combine a uh, cyber attack with kinetic because you know, then the attribution is there, and you could actually respond accordingly, and the U.S. will respond quite <laughs> oh. accordingly. Like if you're if you're uh, if you're the nuclear button presser guy, they're like, we're like ninety percent sure this is Russia. You're like ninety percent. Okay, 90%? Uh, can we do any better than that? Because like that's why it doesn't provoke a response because there's no like there is no real attribution. Like yes, in various rare cases there can be, but like if they cover their tracks well enough or false flag, like it could just be like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, the uh, you know now now we're just bombing someone that we didn't that you know had no. Well, and Adam brought up a good point. Just just to be clear. Um, Adam said, do we think that the NSA isn't in the power grid also? No, 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 no. No one said that. And to be honest, if the NSA is doing their damn job, they are in the power grids of multiple different countries. <laughs> yeah. um, it just, I, I expect them to be there, right? That's and just, pretending just, to be someone else. And pretending very much to be They're someone like, else. They're like, we're North Korea, for sure. I always think the CIA and the NSA would be on the same network and they're like, oh, the Chinese, oh, it's the Russians. They're actually going against each other. <laughs> and then yeah, they get together afterwards and they're like, that was funny. <laughs> All of those agencies may be in there digitally, but they're also in there physically to an extent to as well. I mean, like cyber is being used closely with espionage like around the world. Um, so there would be actual physical agents as possible options as well. And I think all of this, really I think argument. all of this, I think all of this comes down to like this really, really scary thing that we're talking about all the way from the book, uh, to what we're talking about here is we're definitely in uncharted waters, right? Like we used to talk about this stuff as hypothetical. Now it's actually being used. Yeah. And I think that that's the scariest thing. And I think that anybody that can sit around and say, this is exactly what's happening is full of crap because the parties that have the capabilities and have their fingers on the proverbial buttons, they don't even know what the hell they're going to do uh, coming forward. Like, you know, we were talking about plans. The military in the past has said that all options are on the table, including nuclear. And they have to say that because they don't want to constrain themselves. So all those options exist. I think the thing that's scary is trying to identify and try to predict what the people that make those decisions would actually do. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, less scared of a nation state being capable of that, and more because they have some level they, of control. They have some level of control. I want to know why haven't we seen high scale cyber terrorism in that? See, level? and every time I go on Shodan and I demonstrate like VNC being open on thousands right? of computer systems, it's just like I I think it's I think in a lot of ways. Once again, it goes back to first world, second world, third world countries on the internet, right? It's no longer like, you know, this is a country that, you know, or this isn't, we're all moving in security and getting better. It's not, it's just getting uh, more and more spread out. Have you made, do you know, have you ever, I'm sure you have the read about how the different forms of terrorism, like the generational terrorism, how there is like anarchy, Islam, uh, like religious based terrorism. And now that they believe we're moving into a right wing terrorism right now, right? Where. Yes. I have read that. And I, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> that's not controversial <laughs> at all. Um, no, 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 but, but I think, I think, you know, as a poli sci, you know, we're talking about political scientists. Um, whenever you look at that type of violence, right. Whenever you start moving down those, those things, there's a lot of very, very interesting case studies. Um, whenever you're looking at Northern Ireland or you're looking at some of the, um, so like the Basque region in Spain um, or even uh, the uh, Oklahoma city bombing and things like that. Um, there's a lot of parallels that exist in 
try, and whenever you're looking at it from the perspective of what is the tool that actually weaponizes people to do those things, it's incredibly varied, right? And religion is one of those very, very powerful things uh, that can be used uh, mm-hmm. to actually do that. And nationalism, of course, is one of those things as well. Nationalism is very often... If the Green Bay Packers tell you to blow something up, you're going to do it. That's how America... (laughs) That's that's just how it goes. If you want season tickets, blow up your... Yeah, whatever. But I would encourage people to research that. And this is outside, way outside of the scope of this. But what's what's most interesting to me, Wade, whenever you're actually researching those, Mm -hmm. is how did those things terminate? How did they end? Mm -hmm. So if you look at uh, political violence that was actually tied with religious violence, I think it was in Spain or Italy, I can't remember which, what actually got it to the point where people got better is it actually came to a small level of very violent takeover. I think there was a town uh, where they went in and they killed some people and it caused the entire country to take a couple steps back. If you look at Northern Ireland, it actually got to the point where it was actually hurting the people in that area and it caused them in, the, in Northern Ireland to take a step back. And I think that that kind of feeds into what you're talking about Mm. is, you know, now whenever you're looking at what the capabilities are for these different violent organizations, the violence Mm. is so much greater than just a suicide bomber. The violence is so much greater than, you know, just, you know, going and shooting up a public square as it was for years. Now, any cyber terrorist type organization has more tools. We're getting really, really, really... Into some weird uh, this is some hot nation <laughs> one, one last, no i can tie it back and tie it back a really good thread intel book that i got i, I got told to read is called a brave new world and it, it uh, talked by about Aldous this Huxley? Wait, just kidding Huxley's? no is it uh, let me go look let me look let me look. yeah i'm gonna tell you that oh, I, was say. It, I, I think he got the title of that book wrong wow he has like a bookshelf. No, I lied. I lied. Prop. I lied. Brave New War. Brave New War. Okay. Okay. So it's a play on Brave New World. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, John Robb. Um, but it. I never thought about threat intelligence in the way beforehand before I read this book at an, at cost, right? Like how much does wow. it cost to perform a terrorist attack or any type of this? And then that got me thinking, how much does it cost to perform a cyber attack? And it's much cheaper and a lot easier. Mm. And there's a lot of scripts well, and tutorials. But anyways, we, so we can start talking about it. Before we Before we close out, does anybody want to talk about the fact that now Amazon, when you're shopping for books is throwing a timer to the next football game on Thursday. <laughs> Talk about religion. Talk about I religion. I'm seeing that. I'm like, what is happening here? They're doing that in front of shows on Prime also. You go to watch the latest Rings of Power, the first thing is a football ad. They're, yeah. they're trying oh, yeah, to... every time. It's yeah. like... And, I think it's very interesting that, you know, Wade had a slip and he called it the Brave New World. <laughs> and then he, the name of the book is Brave New War. And then it shows Amazon, which is like literally Soma for everybody, like getting <laughs> getting hooked in rings of power of football. Yes, here's here's your new opiate for the masses, everyone. <laughs> yep. What so are we this book is from Joking 2008. But, the the book is old, but the crazy thing is it predicts a couple things that have recently happened and goes through it. And I would highly mm-hmm. suggest reading it if you're into this type of stuff. And, and I am philosophy. Yeah, I will we'll have a talk just on that. Let's do a, a podcast. Right. 2008 just isn't that All right, everybody. long ago. All right. 2008 isn't we, that yeah, long I know, ago. Broadwin. I know. All right, everybody. We need to wrap it up. I've John, got to get I think going. There's some breaking oh. news, though. Oh, God, no more breaking news. Okay, Ian, what's the breaking news? Breaking news out of Deadwood, South Dakota today. Bear fights on the rise at information security conferences. Footage seen here from Wild West Hackenfest last week as a new APT group, Ransom Bear, attacks Blue Bear in a defensive posture trying to take care of cybersecurity incidents. We're not sure what's going on, but more details are coming soon. You can find out more about these two bears by going to blackhillsinfosec.com, RECA Bear vs. Bear, to get the latest issues of Bear vs. Bear delivered directly to you and learn more about what's going on between these two arch rivals and how to better secure your environment. Back to you in studio. That just proves it, folks. That just proves it to sum up everything. We're seeing cyber cybersecurity go kinetic right there. While we're <laughs> and it might, 
it might actually go kinetic at a conference near you. Noah point. witnessed it. Noah's a firsthand. Yeah, Noah I know the there. bears are going to get t-shirt weapons. Yeah, t-shirt <laughs> weapons. What's a t-shirt? Right, everybody. Let's wrap it up. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, thanks so much for coming. I'm absolutely fried. Looking forward to it. I think tomorrow, what do you guys think? Should I do something on SQL map? Does that sound like fun? I'll do a SQL map section. All right. So tomorrow in address-based layout randomization, we're going to play with SQL map and SQL injections and what you can do to defend against it. Till then, we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everybody. I will say that Ryan's microphone is fantastic. It picks up like all the crunching. The, all the crunching. Hey. Yep. <laughs> You're welcome. I, it's done. I, I, there won't be any more crunching. That was the last. That was a finale. <laughs>